0: Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unboxed Podcast. My name is Rhys and today we are going to be looking at uh, the Scottish elections because they are coming up soon, very soon in fact, on May the 6th. And this will, well, determine who has power in the Holyrood devolved administration for the next five years. um, And possibly more than that, it could be the jumping-off point for arguments around a second independence referendum really kicking into gear. We know what Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmond have to say about that. Um, and it could also be a sign of things to come in relation to how the two major English parties are going to fare. Obviously their Scottish counterparts have the elections on May the 6th. There are English elections as well, but in terms of how Scotland votes... Um, we could see the Devold administrations pointing the way to, well, how the Scottish electorate will vote in the next general election, if indeed they are still part of the United Kingdom by the time of the next general election. So, all that to come and more on today's episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. (laughs) So yes, with the elections north of the border uh, a little over, what is it, two, nearly three weeks away, uh, it feels time to turn attention to those elections. We will do uh, episodes on Wales and on the elections happening in England, and we might do a a split uh, one with England, split between the councils and the mayoralties, uh, depending on on how it, it goes with time and length and all that. But today we're focusing on Scotland. So what is happening? Well, it is the election to the Scottish Parliament where there are going to be 129 members of the Scottish Parliament or MSPs that are going to be elected. Um the major political parties have been out in force campaigning since, uh, well, since restrictions were lifted, they've been out door-to-door campaigning really. Um and they've all got different plans on how the uh how they want the country to be governed. Let's have a look through some of the parties now. So the SNP is currently the largest party in the Scottish Parliament. They have not got a majority. The Scottish system makes it a little bit more difficult to get a majority, and I'll go through that uh, after I've gone through all the parties. Uh, They have 61 out of the 129 seats as of the 2016 general election, or the devolved election. Um, They've been in power in Scotland either in a majority or a minority, uh, since 2007, uh, and their key policy, uh, I guess, would have to be they want Scotland to be an independent country. Led by Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister and former solicitor who's been in Parliament since it opened, uh, and has been at the top of the SNP really for about 2004 when she became Deputy Leader. Um, she's been leader since 2014, so Seven years nearly now. Uh, and she's been um, having a tough time of it, some would say, in the last couple of weeks with the uh, allegations uh, leveled at Alex Salmon that have sort of backfired on the government. Uh, she had an inquiry into her as to whether she, um, well, as to whether she broke the ministerial code, it was found that she didn't, but the noise hasn't really gone away. Um, She has been praised in some corners for her response to the coronavirus pandemic, Uh, although as with any government policy there are those who have railed against her handling. Um, Some say Scotland are on the path to recovery, Um, she certainly would. So the SNP need to gain just four more seats um, from where they are currently in order to reach the majority, which is 65. They did have a majority until the 2016 Scottish election, but they lost their, their majority then. They chose not to go into a coalition and they chose to govern as a minority party and sort of rely on sort of case-by-case, case almost, mini-coalitions. They're not they're not coalitions, it's more of a, a... It's a real case-by-case case negotiation basis. We'll work with the Greens on environmental we'll work, with the Liberal Democrats on tax reform, Labour on welfare, things like that. Um, it will definitely want a majority this time around. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon has been pushing hard for that. Uh, In Scotland, you get two votes, one in your constituency and one as a proportional uh, regional list. So Scotland is split into, I think it's seven different regions. Um, And then in there, have many votes each party gets. They work down a list of candidates, and if you get over a certain threshold, then the list starts getting ticked off. uh, And these members get sent to Holyrood. Um, And the Surgent's been pressing hard to say... If you want independence, if you want Scotland's recovery to continue, vote uh, cast both your votes for the SNP. Now, what really are the the key policies other than uh, Scottish independence? Because we know the SNP want to hold a second referendum on Scottish independence. Um, Well, they want to build 100,000 new homes by 2032, with at least 70% of them being for social rent. They want to launch a national care service, Uh, they want to, well, they're they're anti-nuclear weapons, they oppose nuclear weapons, and I believe their plan is to try and move them from the naval base, which is up in the north of Scotland, and they want to bring ScotRail services back into the public sector. Now, as regards that key policy of holding a second referendum on independence, well, They did hold a vote in 2014, it was 55 to 45 in favour of to remain within the Union. But in 2016, the UK voted to leave the European Union, 52 to 48, but Scotland voted 62 to 38 to remain, which has only fuelled uh, anger from many of the Scottish people that in the independence referendum they were told that the only way to stay within the EU excuse me, was to vote to remain within the United Kingdom. And now that seems to have been reversed, almost. Now, the SNP did set out what they called a roadmap to a referendum in January. Uh, They set out how they intend to take forward the plans for another vote, and they say a legal referendum will be held after the pandemic if there is a pro-independence majority following May's election. Now, that would have to happen with the consent of the UK government. And Nicholas Sturgeon has said that if the SNP get a majority, then Boris Johnson will allow it. Now, will he? Well, he's come out strongly in opposition. He's repeatedly said, I do not support a second referendum. I didn't support a second referendum on Brexit. He doesn't support a second referendum on Scottish independence." So whether or not that can happen, is it just political posturing from Nicola Sturgeon saying, well, he would have to, he would have to give us a second referendum if we win the majority? Not too sure. So who are the SNP's main challengers? Well, if you look at the seats won in 2016, it is the Scottish Conservative and Unionist Party. The Scottish Conservatives, they are the second largest party in the Scottish Parliament. Um, They have 30 MSPs. So that's less than half of what the SNP have with their 61. Um, They had a very good show in 2016. They overtook the Labour Party to uh, take second place in the Scottish Parliament for what I believe might well be the the first time uh, in the devolved administration's history. Um, But that popular leader who brought them all the way to second place and really can be said to have propped up Theresa May's 2017 general election result with a very strong showing in Scotland, Ruth Davidson, has stepped down as Scottish leader. Their new leader is Douglas Ross, who, well, he is currently an MP, but he's been a councillor, he's been an MSP. Um, And in the general election in 2017, he managed to unseat the SNP's deputy leader and their Westminster leader, Angus Robertson. Um, He's a fresh face. You can't say he isn't. He's been in either Scottish or the UK Parliament since 2016 um he's spoken for the party on justice uh, and he has been an ally of boris johnson now will he will he be able to distance himself enough from boris johnson to really say that this is this is not connected to the the uk government because boris johnson is not popular north of the border he he isn't. I think that's fair to say. Um, some would say he isn't popular south of the border. But he certainly isn't popular north of the border. Um, the only other thing, really, that's too much to say about Douglas Ross is that because he doesn't sit in the Scottish Parliament, um, the... The actual person who does sort of the equivalent of Prime Minister's Questions, it's called First Minister's Questions in Scotland, is actually Ruth Davidson, the very popular former leader. Uh, She will hold her, her seat all the way until the 6th of May, where she's going to move down to the House of Lords. But it is possible that this dual leadership is able to... Um, act as a benefit because you have Ruth Davidson, who can appeal to the Scottish voters who voted Tory back in 2016 and 2017 and you have Douglas Ross who can repeat the, the narratives of Boris Johnson and of no referendum and of the UK government is doing a good job on coronavirus which... Um, Boris Johnson has been saying in order to shore up the traditional conservative base north of the border, it's an interesting dynamic, certainly now the Scottish Tories they need thirty five more seats um, to form a government on their own, and that is that that isn't realistically going to happen. I don't think um, if it does happen, it will probably be the biggest shock in Scottish politics um. Well, maybe, maybe not. I think a Liberal Democrat majority or a Green majority might be a bigger shock. But um, anyway, they probably won't be looking for a victory, but they will be aiming to finish comfortably in second place. Uh, And really, their number one aim from this election is to block the SNP winning a majority. So what are their policies? Well, they say they want to end division and rebuild the country from the pandemic. They oppose another referendum on Scottish independence. They have proposed um, a school catch-up plan comprising a nationwide tutoring scheme hiring 3,000 extra teachers. Uh, this is almost certainly in reaction to some of the disruption that has been caused uh, through the pandemic with schools going online for large parts of last year. Uh, and there will be a law guaranteeing the funding Scottish government would have to pay local authorities, according to the Scottish Conservatives. But their main pledge, well, their their real key ideas are that they want to end this division and rebuild the country, and they oppose another referendum on Scottish independence. Those are the two things that they're going to be campaigning extra hard on. Um, So that is the Scottish Conservative Party. Um, Who's next? Well, it's got to be Scottish Labour. Scottish Labour... um, Used to be the biggest party in Scotland. They, well, formed the first Scottish governments uh, from 1999 to 2007. Uh, the Scottish Parliament was only formed in 1999. But they are now the third largest party in the Parliament with just 23 MSPs out of 129 seats. Um, and that's a big blow for them. When you look back to Labour victories uh, in general elections, certainly, of years gone by, Tony Blair uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, Jim Callaghan, well, he didn't win an election, but he succeeded from um, Harold Wilson's election, you see the Scottish block of red. It was, it was like watching the red wall fall down in 2019, Watching um, the Red Wall in Scotland fall down in 2015. And they've never really recovered the position from when the SNP took over as the biggest party in Scotland. Uh, they have a new leader, Anna Sawa, and they were elected just 10 weeks before the Holyrood election. He was a former dentist, he was an MP, um, and took an active role in the No campaign leading up to the independence referendum in 2014. Um, now he did run for the leadership in twenty seventeen, didn't win the race. Um but he came back uh after well, his adversary, I guess, from the twenty seventeen race steps down from his post. And he's been an MSP since two thousand and sixteen. Uh he was actually unseated in that twenty fifteen wall of SNP victories. Um, Now Scottish Labour, again, they probably aren't going to be forming the next government. Um, Certainly if you look at the opinion polls they aren't going to be forming the next government. They need 42 more MSPs and really their, their aim here is going to be to retake second place from the Conservatives. I mean, it, it was a big blow. Don't underestimate the size of this body blow that coming second, well, coming third behind the SNP and the Tories in Scotland, caused to the Labour Party. Um, it's it's not good. So they want to take second place back, and ideally they also want to stop the SNP um, winning a majority because that means that they will be more important in Scottish government. Because again, the SNP might have to go into a formal coalition agreement, they might have to use confidence supply, or they might have to just work with parties on a case-by-case basis to get some cross-party consensus. Now their policies, uh, they want to guarantee a job for every young Scot, and yes that is just as vague as it sounds. Uh, they want to invest in the NHS to get uh, sorry cancer treatment back on track, improve mental health and give carers the pay they deserve. Uh, we've seen the waiting times go up and up and up across the UK as the coronavirus Uh, pandemic forced the NHS to prioritise. They want to develop a comeback plan for education which invests in and gives IT support to schools. They want to invest in green jobs and seize Scotland's hosting of COP26 to champion an ambitious climate justice plan. And they want to create a community recovery fund to invest in local areas. Now, they all sound like fine policies, but where do they sound in independence? Because that seems to be the biggest issue of this campaign? Well, they oppose a second independence referendum. They say it is unwanted and unnecessary, um, and they will campaign to ensure Scotland remains part of the UK. They say that independence would increase the austerity measures for Scottish families. Um, Now, the Scottish Labour leader, Alice Sower, has said that he would rule out another referendum for the lifetime of the next Scottish Parliament as the country rebuilds after Covid. Clearly, going after the SNP there and trying to capitalise potentially on the the Tory messaging, saying that an independence referendum would sort of steamroller through this national rebuilding after the coronavirus pandemic. Now there are two other parties who can really have a say probably in the governance of Scotland after the election. One, the Scottish Liberal Democrats, they only have five MSPs but they were part of the first government in Scotland. The Labour Party formed a coalition with them. And, um, well, they also have been involved in some of these mini-deals, I guess, with the SNP. They are sort of the the middle ground of, of Scottish politics, I guess. Uh, they have a leader who's been there since, well, I think 2016. He's been an MSP Since 2016, he was uh, an MP until 2010, and whilst they can't form a government on their own, they could be putting themselves in a position to influence policy, even if they just add a couple more MSPs, especially if the SNP's numbers go down. Um, Now, they oppose independence again, uh, the same with the Labour and Conservative parties north of the border. Um and again, much of their policies are very similar to the national liberal Democrats. They want recovery from the pandemic, an education bounce back plan, more mental health specialists for community centers, tackle the climate emergency uh, and have a green jobs revolution in clean tech and green energy. Now the other party are the scottish greens um they won six seats in um well they won six seats in two thousand and 16. Uh, but one party, well, one MSP quit the party, so they're now with five seats. Uh, same as the Liberal Democrats. And, well, they have um, co-leaders. They have uh, Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater. And they will be, again, not looking to win Outright, right, because not that they won't aim for it, but they realistically can't. Uh, they need 60 more MSPs to be elected to form a government on their own. So they will just be looking to hit their highest ever number of MSPs, which I believe they got in 2016, so anything more than six would be um, good for them. But here's where they differ. They are pro-independence. They are obviously standing for for green policies, they want a fair and green recovery from the pandemic, they want to tackle the climate emergency but they also want Scotland to rejoin the EU as an independent country. And they are the only other party in the Scottish Parliament, other than the SNP, to back independence. So they will probably be a very key ally for the SNP in the, well, the days after an election if they don't win an outright majority. And there is one more party that I want to talk about, and that is the ALBA party, uh, headed up by Alex Salmon, the former First Minister of Scotland, um, and adamantly pro-independence. Their slogan is, Vote ALBA, get a supermajority for independence. Um, They are only standing in the regional list areas, um, because of a quirk which I will talk about in a little while. Uh, and they really are just on campaigning on independence. They do have other policies, but their headline one is independence. They have no seats currently, but they are looking to try and get some support in the regional list sections. So um, what is this system I've been talking about? Well, uh, in Scotland you get two votes. One is for your constituency, and that works on a first-past-the-post level. I think there are about uh, 70 or so constituency MSPs. Um, That's just simply the same as in a Westminster election, every area votes, and the person with the most votes, not necessarily overall, uh, well just definitely overall but not necessarily a majority, uh, gets returned as an MSP. Then there are regional lists, and as I say, there are seven sections, um, and these sections are set up as you vote for a party. So if you vote, Um, So you vote for that party, uh, and as a proportion of the votes cast in that region, that's how the number of seats which are assigned to that region are divided between the parties. Now there is a quirk, because um, they want to make it proportional to the relative number of votes. Um, If one party were to win all of the constituency MSP seats in a particular region, then they would disadvantaged in the regional list i.e. let's say that all of the seats in a region go to the the SNP and in the proportional list system they actually win 40% of the vote. Well, because they only won 40% of the vote but they've also got all of the MSPs then their votes would then be reassigned by second preference to make sure that the SNP weren't just taking all of the seats on sort of forty percent of the vote in that region. So that's how the Scottish system works. There are two types of members. How are the polls looking? Well, the SNP are streets ahead. They have about 51% support according to an opinion opinion poll. Uh, sorry, the average of polls by Ipsos, Opinion, Panel Based, Savanta, Comrades, and Servation. Um, they have about 51% support in the constituencies and about 40% support in regional um, Poland. The Tories are in second place with about 21% on each. Labour in third with 19% in the constituencies and 18% in the regions. Uh, the Liberal Democrats with 7% in the constituencies and 6% in the regions. The Green Party are also only campaigning really in the regions. They have 9% regionally and the Alba Party have 3% in the regions. Um, the Green Party and the Alba Party probably bleeding a little bit of the support away from the SNP uh, as you see the drop down from constituency to region purely because they are both pro-independence and they are not campaigning in the constituencies. Um, these Alba and Green votes would almost certainly go to the SNP if they had the chance to vote in the constituencies, although there could be some that go to the Liberal Democrats or Labour, because that's why we're seeing the drops in um, well where these these polls are coming from. Now the SNP is just ahead of where they were in 2016, so they look on track to win a majority. The Tories are down by two points from where they were in 2016, um, but overall. Relatively few voters seem to have changed their minds, Um, certainly over the course of the campaign they don't seem to have really changed their minds, Uh, and it will be interesting to see how this election goes. Will the SNP be able to force a majority? Will ALBA and the Green Party be able to push for a super majority for independence? Or will it be another hung parliament and time for the SNP, who will almost certainly be the largest party? Uh, to try and work out how to deal with being so pro independence but staying within the United Kingdom. Potentially. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, that is all for today on the Politics Unboxed podcast. I want to thank you very much for listening. It's been a little bit longer than uh, usual, but I hope I went over most of the key issues for that election. You can get in touch through all the usual channels Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the email, which is politics.unbox at com. Uh, or you can get in touch through the website, which is politicsunboxpodcast.wordpress.com. Um, thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode of the Politics Unbox Podcast. And until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.